0: Our reading this evening is taken from just the very end of Malachi chapter 2, Malachi chapter 2, verse 17, and then into Malachi chapter 3. So this evening, if you're reading from a Pew Bible, uh, you'll see some of them in the pews in front of you, Pew Bible, you'll find it on page 961. 961. It's the last book of the Old Testament. So if you're in Matthew, just flick back a few pages into Malachi chapter 2. And we'll pick it up in Malachi chapter 2, verse 17, and then through into Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to think about this portion of Scripture a little bit later. So Malachi chapter 2 and verse 17, and this is God's Word to us here this evening. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied Him, You ask. By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or where is the God of justice? See, I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire, or a lauder's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come near to you for judgment. I'll be quick to testify against the sorcerers, the adulterers, the procurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how will we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out His requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty, but now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper, and even those who challenge God escape. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in the presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them as an As in compassion, a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us here this evening. Well, as we come to God's word, let us open it up again to Malachi chapter 3. And no better way to start our week, the first day of our week, than sitting under God's word. That's why we come here to worship him. And start our week, and here we have Malachi chapter three before us this evening. And our message, and the, the thrust of our message, as you'll see on the screen, is "Return to me, return to me." You'll find these words in our passage. You'll find them there uh, in verse uh, in verse seven. "Return to me, and I will return to you," says the Lord Almighty. Now, on the screen, we have some pictures of uh, a dog, and this is our little dog Ben. And uh, you can see him. He, Uh, It's got a little bit bigger from the third one across, but uh, Ben every day has to be walked. He's a big golden retriever. He needs to get out, and he needs to stretch his legs, and we have to take him for a walk, so he usually gets walked around the orchards, and we have the same little routine that uh, we're able to go on uh, around the, the, the same way every day. We go on the same little path, and he knows it. He knows what points, and he needs to stop, and he has to be put back on the lead because some of the cattle are out, and Ben, for some reason, is obsessed with the cattle, and he has to go and uh, nibble on their food and all the rest of it, so he knows the points that he has to stop and sit, and then I'll put the lead back on him. But around springtime, we were out for a walk with Ben, and Ben uh, decided that he would chase a rabbit. There was a rabbit that was loose, and I was going down the path into one of the back orchards, uh, and he, he spied this rabbit, and away he went, like lightning, straight after the rabbit, and he was bounding after him. And I thought this was good sport. He would never catch the rabbit because he's too slow. But uh, I thought this was good sport until I realized that they were going straight towards a gate. And behind that gate was the neighbor's field. And in the neighbor's field was loads of little lambs that had just been born. And Ben had not seen a lamb. (laughs) And I was very worried about what was going to happen because in the countryside, if your dog happens to chase lambs and kills lambs, then the dog will have to end up being put down. So I start shouting, Ben, (laughs) Ben, 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 stop, Ben, ah, you know the way you start making noises at dogs, and they apparently can make that out, ah, don't be at it, and all the rest of it, Uh, and just as they're they're bolting towards the gate, the the little rabbit, it shoots into the hedge, and Ben, all disappointed, kind of sniffs about the hedge, and then he comes back to me. Thankfully, they didn't make it to the gate of the field. He was so close to going into that field, so close to going into the way of danger, so close to actually... Losing his own life because he'd ended up chasing the little lambs, probably have killed one of the little lambs and he would have had to have been put down. But he listened to, in this case, his master's voice, which was me, or it could have been Dad. But he listened to his master's voice. Disaster was averted. No lambs were killed. And Ben, as a result, would not have to be put down. He listened, he responded, and he was saved. And tonight, from our passage, we want to be really clear from the outset if we do not listen, to the Father's call as firstly Christian people to be holy, then we are in a very, very dangerous position. And if we do not listen to the Father's call here this evening, if you're not a Christian, to come and be a Christian, to return to God, to come back to Him, you also are in a very, very dangerous position. Return to me, God says, from this passage. And tonight in Malachi, we see a situation that isn't just as trivial as a a master and a dog, but actually is so serious because our very hearts, our souls, our eternity is at stake. And Malachi here, it's it's a love book. It's a book of love. If if you turn over just a page to Malachi chapter 1, you'll see it in verse 2, the very first words, I have loved you, says the Lord. I have loved you. And what transpires is that that Israel here, that Malachi is talking to, Israel are not faithful. And it's like a relationship, it's like a marriage, it's a covenant relationship, one with the other. And in this marriage, the two, one side is being faithful, God is obviously faithful, but the other side, Israel, is not. They are blind, they're ignorant, they're apathetic, they're rude to God, they're naive, they're distant from Him, they're unthankful, they're uncaring, they are forgetful. And this relationship is broken. And right at the heart of all that's going on in Malachi, we have different little disputes. It's like, it's like a, a two lovers that are sitting down, and, and one side's pointing a finger continually. The, the people of Israel are continually pointing a finger at God, and they're saying, but look, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. And in the midst of it, all of these little disputes are symptoms of something greater. And the greater problem is, is the heart. The heart of the people is totally gone. The heart of the people is not for God. It's for everything else apart from God. They're frosty with God. They're apathetic with Him. They're not communicating to Him. And right at the center, they're not worshiping Him. They're not worshiping Him the way that He deserves to be worshiped. And throughout our previous chapters, we've been able to see this they cheat God and all the things that they bring to Him for their offering. Their religious leaders have been compromised. They've been compromised in their physical marriages. And here tonight we'll see that they've been compromised in their attitude toward money and service. So in one sense, it's really, really basic. For the people in Malachi's day, where was their heart? Their heart was far from God, and so too for us, it's really basic where is our heart here this evening? These words call us to return to me, come back to me, stop running in the direction that you're going, and return to me. It's really easy for each of us to identify what our heart's desire is because out of our mouths flow the things of our heart. So if, if you talk to someone and every time they talk to you, all they talk about is one particular thing. And very soon you can realize that that is the desire of their heart. Where are our hearts this evening? Either it's for God or it's not. So if you're a Christian here tonight, your heart should be for God. Your heart should be having a desire to be holy. And if you're not a Christian, your heart's desire is not for God, but it should be. Now sometimes for us as Christians, it's blurry. It's like fog. It's Christian fog. It's hard to discern. Perhaps on a Sunday, well, our hearts are for God. But then if we get into Monday and Tuesday, maybe not so much. Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, maybe a wee bit better. Where our hearts are for God again. Saturday, no. And then we're back to Sunday, and our hearts might be for God. And in the middle of it all, as Christians, it's really hard to discern where our heart is. Well, in the midst of our fog this evening, our aim should simply be to follow Jesus. And the fuel that makes that possible, the fuel that makes it possible day after day, week after week, to be holy and to follow God and to have him as our heart's desire is forgiveness. Because God here forgives his people. Return to me, and I will return to you. They've been un- they have been unfaithful for generation after generation after generation over and over and over again, despite God's faithfulness to them. And yet God says that He is patient, that He is loving, that He is kind. Come, He says. Just like we thought about this morning with the prodigal son, the prodigal, what do we expect? The prodigal's uh, welcome to be by his father. We expect him that he's going to get maybe a, a, a talon off. He's going to get clipped around the ear, whatever else that happens whenever you return after being bold. But here, what, is, what does he receive? We saw it this morning that he receives his father's arms open wide, him running towards him to greet him and to welcome him in. And so too, here it is in this passage, return to me, God says. So the key for us is forgiveness. Know that this evening as a Christian. Wherever you are in your walk, wherever your heart's desire is, that there's forgiveness for you this evening. And God calls us to return. Now, we're going to see three things in this passage, and these things will help us to worship God. They'll help us in our heart to return to Him. Firstly, it's this, that God's character doesn't change. God's character does not change. And that's really unusual for us, because most things in the world change We change. Probably most of us have changed today from we were here this morning. Maybe you have changed. As you look at a picture, you'll be able to identify the ways that you have changed over the years. Maybe a few more wrinkles. Maybe a little less hair or a different color of hair or maybe more hair in certain places. Whatever's going on, there are changes. Changes in us. Everything around us changes. We change our homes. We change our cars. The town changes everything changes. But look at God's Word tonight. Look what He says to us right in the midst of this. Verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. And this is so important for us. I, the Lord, do not change. It's crucial. Because you see, just at the start of our passage from verse 17, what's going on? The children of Israel, well, they're kicking up and they're saying, God, where are you? Where is the God of justice? What's going on here? Look, look there's evil people and they're prospering. You sh- sure, are you, are you even living? Are you, are you even still prospering us? Are you, is your blessing still upon us? Are you still keeping your promises, promises to us? And God says, yes, I am. Chapter three, verse one. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Who's the messenger that he's gonna send? John the Baptist, then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Who? The Lord Jesus. Verse 2, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? Remember in the New Testament, even the demons bow down before him and cry out who he is, So they can't see it, but God's pointing to one that's going to come, and he's saying to them, look, I have been faithful. From Genesis 3, verse 15, I have been faithful. I am going to send someone who's going to rescue you. Abram, Isaac, Jacob, through the exodus with Moses, Joshua, and David, the one God, Yahweh, the great I am. I will not change. I will show mercy I will continue to be faithful to you. I will keep my promises to you, says God. And this is good news for us. Why? Because we know our God is good. He goes on here to talk about a refining fire, a purifying fire that's going to happen. Now, this isn't a fire that's going to consume, and it could have been a fire that was going to consume people, but it's not. Instead, God in his mercy says he will send a refiner A purifier, his son, the Lord Jesus. Our God is good, and his love endures forever. He will punish wickedness, because he says he will here in verse 5 so I will come near to you for judgment. I'll be quick to testify against the sorcerers, adulterers, the liars. God will have justice he is still on the throne. His kingdom is still growing. He is alive. He is active. But in the midst of their disobedience, the people here in Israel think that he has left them. And tonight, maybe that's you. In the midst of the fog of life, in the midst, perhaps, of disobedience, you think that God has left you? You think that he's not living and he's not active? If you were at Holiday Bible Club this week, you would have saw a living and an active God changing little one's hearts, calling them into his kingdom. Are God's people saying not living and active? Look at how many Christian brothers and sisters are here with testimonies of coming out of darkness and into light, once in death, now in life. So here in the midst of the children of Israel's rebellion, God stands and he says, I, the Lord, do not change. You can trust me. You may be disobedient, but I am faithful. And here there's a little subtle note to who the people are as well. I, the Lord, verse 6, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed What's, what's this descendants of Jacob? Well, some commentators reckon that what is actually happening here is just as the Lord says, I do not change, well, also you as people do not change because you are the descendants of Jacob. What does that mean? You are the, you're the people or the ones who grab. Jacob, the one who grabbed the heel. You're grabbers, you're Caesars. And we see this then on through our passage with money. They seize it and they will not let it go. So God doesn't change, and people don't change. We are sinful by nature. Our desires are sinful. Our desires are to walk away from God and not to him. So our God does not change. Secondly, God's expectations don't change. God's expectations don't change. Growing up at our house, uh, we have uh, hedges right around us. And one of the expectations every year was that you you just, you had to cut the hedge, right? It had to be cut. And it usually had to be cut sometime in July. You knew this, right? It was one of the big summer tasks that always lay ahead of you. Uh, And the hedge had to be cut. That was fine. It had to be wrecked up and all the rest of it. It would take about a week in total. But there was one expectation from dad. And the expectation was this, that you cut the hedge level, right? He didn't want the hedge up and down like waves. You better cut the hedge level, right? That was the expectation, so with fear and trembling, you got up on the step ladder, and you tried to make sure it was as straight as possible, and you'd cut a little bit, and you'd take a step back, and you'd look at it, it looks level enough to me, and you'd go again, and you'd look at it from different angles, awaiting Dad coming home to inspect it to make sure that it was. This was an expectation, and it hasn't changed. It's still the same this year. I'll have to make sure that the hedge is as level as possible but here our God has expectations, right? And his expectations for us, his expectations for us as Christian people are that we are faithful to him. Tonight, if you take nothing else away from our our time spent in God's word, it is this, that your heart must be, must be fully sold out for God. It has to be. If you're a Christian here tonight, your heart has to be all his, There's no other way around it there's no other way to duck it or to get around it or to negotiate with god your heart has to be his and proverbs 4 verse 23 tells us this above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it it's either god's or it's not there's no such thing as trying to keep bits of it back why do we do that why 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 would we try to do that with god the one who tonight we have come and we have, we have sang to and sung his praises, who we've said that we're coming to worship, the one who we're saying is still living and active, who has drawn little ones into salvation, who's drawn big people into salvation, who's sitting on the throne and has the whole world in his hands, and yet we're saying tonight that some of us, for, for some of us, he doesn't deserve our heart. What sin, what sin tonight could be greater than our King of Kings and Lord of Lords to rule over our heart? What pleasure is so great that we're saying that it trumps God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His desire is that our hearts will all be for him. Our actions, our words, our attitudes, our comments, all flow from our heart. So tonight you say to me, John, I'm not really sure where my heart is. I'm struggling to discern if it's for God or not. Well, a good litmus test here for our hearts this evening is how we use our money because that's where our passage goes to. You see it there in verse 8. How do we rob God? God responds in tithes and offerings. He goes on to say, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you because you're robbing me. And then we go on, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And in church, isn't it true that we all get a little bit tense when we talk about money? I'm in a good position. I'm the assistant, so I can say whatever I want about money. It's not as if the minister's preaching about it. But here, it's in God's Word. It's right in the passage, and God's saying, look, look, I'm going to test your heart. What do you do if you're money? And the people don't know what to say. They don't, know, they don't have a response to him. And God says to them, look, test me and see. I will pour out my blessing. Why, why does he go down that line? There's a, there's a famine in the land at this time. Maybe people are saying, look, we've got to hold a little bit back. We're, we've got to hold on to this bit. We're not going to give it away. There's times to be wise, but they're not even bringing a tenth. They're not giving to God what he deserves. So the people are robbing God and they're under the curse because of it. And Christian here, simply tonight, are you holding money back from God? If we're probably honest with ourselves, most of us are. We like to seize and grab and hold it for ourselves. We don't like to give it away. And we don't trust him whenever we give it away. So we rob God tonight. And can we see how how crazy it is in verse 10. God here says, will I not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing? We're not talking about a prosperity gospel here. We're talking about God blessing us, being able to keep us, that we are trusting in Him, that as we give, He will also be able to hold and sustain us. Now for them, in this context, it was the crops that God would sustain and bless them through. For us, In our context, the other side of the cross, we are blessed. He has opened the floodgates of heaven and poured out his blessing through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit. So why tonight are we holding back from God? Especially with our wallets. Why do we do that? Why do we not support Christian ministry? Why do we not support the work of the kingdom? Why? Because we don't see it as important. It's not the number one thing in our heart. God's work is not the number one thing in our heart. Rather, we'd rather chase after pleasure and our desires. We'd rather have all of these other things in our lives. Good things, things that are good, but every time they trump God in our hearts. And the Father's expectation is simply this, honor me with all of your life. Right at the start of Malachi chapter one, we thought about how do we live life? We live life with our fists like this before God clinging on to everything that we have, and we will not let go of it. In Malachi chapter one, we said that we have to live our lives with our hands open to him. Why? Because his son came and spread his hands on the cross for us. Christian, you are his. You're his son and you're his daughter. Now give to him. Give to him. God calls us, return to me, and I will return to you. His expectations don't change. Be holy. Finally, God's declaration doesn't change. Here we see that, well, from the start, if the, go- if the dog returned to me in the orchard, what does he get? He gets a little pat on the head. He gets a good boy and a little biscuit. If I get the hedge right at home, but I get well. I get to stay and get fed for the rest of the year. And here, for those who are faithful to God in this passage, what is it that they get? What do those who are faithful get? Look at it, verse seventeen. They will be my treasured possession. I will spare them. I will save them. We read Psalm one right at the beginning. Those who are faithful to God. Those who honor God. Those who are fearing of his name, who honor him of all of their hearts, verse 16, they will be part of this great congregation of the righteous, as Solomon tells us. So for us tonight, to be the treasured possession of God, to be his most treasured possession, does that not excite us as Christians? Because his declaration over you tonight is that you are my treasured possession, the one that he will save I want that to sink into us here this evening, God's treasured possession, and yet we feel so unworthy. And he says in the midst of our unworthiness, but I look at you through my son. You're my treasured possession. And because of his son, he looks at us and he says, you are also my son with whom I am well pleased, and my daughter. So he has compassion on us, those of us who will serve him, who will honor him with all of our hearts. But for those of us who don't, there is bad news. Verse 18, and you again will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. And in our reading from Psalm chapter one, we see it in the Psalm number one. What do we see? Verse 4 of Psalm 1, The wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 1, coming back into Malachi chapter 3, Two great congregations, the righteous congregation and the wicked. And God says that at the end, Ed, one you will be in one or other place. The distinction will open up again here in verse 18. So for some of us tonight, you're God's treasured possession. He has called to you to return, and you have returned to him. You love him with all of your hearts, and you know that perhaps some days go back goes by, and you don't love him the way that you ought, but you know that you're in his hand. You are trusting him through so your treasure possession. But for some of us here this evening, for some of us, this call to return to God, to return to the God who does not change, you have heard it over and over and over again, and you have not responded. And here, by God's grace tonight, you find yourself here in Hill Street, And again, he speaks to you here this evening, and he says, Return to me, and I will return to you. And I'm coming to you, God says, in love and with mercy and with grace. I'm coming to you with a title that says that you will be my treasured possession, that you will have eternal life. But what will you do with it? Will you return to him tonight? Will you come to him for the first time and say, yes, I accept that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are, verse six, the Lord who does not change. You are the one who brings salvation. You're the only one who is to be trusted in this world, the only one. Or will you say something else to him tonight? John Gervin used to preach here and he said to people, what ails you with Christ? What keeps you from Christ? What keeps you from Christ? What keeps you from Christ here this evening? Is there anything, anything in your heart, in your life, that is worth keeping you away from the, our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, the one who will call you his treasure possession? He says to you tonight return, come to me, come to me and be my treasure possession. trust tonight that for each of us that we will leave here with great joy knowing knowing who we are because we have seen it here in malachi chapter 3 let us pray father we come before you this evening And we thank you that you do not change. Your expectations do not change, and your declaration does not change. You are faithful to us. You call us to be holy. And you have called us your treasured possession if we will honor you with all of our hearts. Father, tonight we pray that you would be at work in each of our hearts. Father, we are sorry for the times where we do not have you as our King of all. For the times when we replace you and walk away from you, we ask for your forgiveness. We pray tonight that you would stir our hearts through your Holy Spirit, that we would see you, the God who does not change, the faithful God from generation to generation, the one who saves, the one who holds this whole world world in your hand, our great creator, our great sustainer, And that we will love you above all else. And Father, tonight we pray for any friends who are here this evening. That they will see you. That they will come to you this evening. And that they will know your saving grace. And that we will rejoice here this evening. Over one who turns to you. Father, we pray that your spirit would strive on with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.